Hey everyone, welcome to Northridge Church Online. So glad you jumped in with us. So when I was in college, my college buddies and I, we decided that we wanted to try backpacking. And so we picked a long weekend that we had off of classes and we took, you know, went, drove several hours away and we went on this backpacking trip. Now let me tell you, I had never been backpacking before. So I didn't have any of the right gear. I didn't have water filters. Uh, I, this is going to be hilarious. Some of you are going to think this is crazy, but I didn't even have rain gear. So I had a really large, I got a really large garbage bag and cut a hole in it for my head and, you know, a couple holes on the sides for my arms. And that's what I used for the entire weekend when it rained to cover myself and my, and my pack that I was carrying. So it was just crazy. It was a great time, good time. But we were in the woods for three full straight days and it was raining for a lot of those days. So you can imagine by the time we got back to our vehicle at the end of those three long days, being out in the woods that whole time, we, as a bunch of college guys, we were ready to sit on a normal chair in the warmth and eat as much food as we could and not drink anything that had iodine tablets to kill the bacteria. Because that's all we had to, to treat the water that we, that we were drinking for three straight days. Well, so on the way back to college campus, again, it was several hours away, we stopped and we found a Denny's. And we walked into the Denny's and we sat down. Let me tell you, when I just sat on a booth, it was like, it was amazing. And we sat there and I'm not proud of this next part, but I ordered not one, but two Grand Slam breakfasts. Two of them. I also ordered a large water, a large Coke, and a large chocolate milk. Yes, all three. And let me tell you, as a college guy, I had no problem putting all that away. It was no problem at all. But all that to say that my body was longing, was screaming for nourishment that had not been cooked over, over a fire in just a little bit. I was screaming for protein. I was screaming for anything. And my body was also screaming for anything that was not iodine-tasting water, orange water. I was just looking and thirsty for that. Well, the reason I tell you that is because today's story about Jesus is where he meets a woman who is very thirsty in a lot of ways for a lot of things. And you're going to find out why and what was going on there. So before I get into that, let me just say one more time, welcome to Northridge. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining or listening online. We're so glad that you're here. We want you to know that Northridge Church is a safe place for you, no matter where you are with God, whether you've been walking with God for a really long time, or maybe you're here and you say, I'm not even sure if I even believe in God, believe in the Bible, believe in Jesus yet. No matter where you are in that spectrum, on either end or in the middle, we're just glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us at Northridge. It's a safe place for you to figure out where you're at and where you need to be. So the other thing I want to mention is that we're currently in a series very simply called Chosen, Changed, Courageous. Chosen, Changed, Courageous. We're looking at stories from Jesus' life that teach us very powerful truth about Him, His life, and ourselves. And we're also learning through this series and through all the stories that Jesus uh, interacts with people and the conversations that He has, we're learning that the process... The title of this series is that Jesus calls us to be chosen, chosen to be loved, calls us to change, to get rid of our sin, to live according to his way of life. And we're called to be courageous, to live out his love and his purpose and his power in and through our lives 
in such a way that other people will be drawn to who Jesus is. So that's what this is all about. So without further ado, let's jump in and get to our next story about Jesus. So let me set up the context. Now this story, I'll tell you before I get into it, is uh, it's just too big of a story. There's too much in this story to be able to cover it in one week. And as I was going through this, I thought, man, there's no way I can cover all the things that I think need to be taught and need to be said from this story in one week. And so we are in part one today of a mini-series, two-part series. Today, we're going to talk about the first part of this story. Next week, we'll cover the next part of the story. All right, so we're kind of a a two-part mini-series here. So let's set up the context. So the context is that Jesus and his disciples are traveling from the southern part of Israel, known as Judea, to the northern part of Israel, known as Galilee. That's where we're going to pick up the story. John chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 5. Eventually he, that's Jesus, came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Take note of the time of the day that it is. Noontime, right in the middle of the day. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at this time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now the first thing I want us to notice, I already called attention to it, is the time of day that this story happens. The fact that it's noon. It's in the middle of the day. The hottest part of the day. There's a reason that that's important. This tells us two very important things. The first thing is this. The woman who is at the well, she's at the well at that very specific time for a very specific reason. Nobody would be at the well at that time of day. Nobody would go there. It's the hottest part of the day. It's the worst time of the day to go to the well. Nobody did it. In Jesus' day in the Middle East, at that time, nobody's going to go to the well in the middle of the day. It's the worst time to go. Nobody does it. And so the question becomes, why did this woman go at the worst time, the hottest part of the day, when nobody else was going to be there? The reason is because she is an outcast. Nobody wants to be around this woman. And this woman knows that she can't be around anybody else and that nobody else wants to be around her. She's an outcast. She's a person who has been scorned, shamed in her community, in her village. Nobody wants to be around her. Nobody wants to be a part of her story. Nobody wants to know her story or why her story in her life is the way that it is. This woman has been shunned outcast. And so she comes to the well to avoid people because everybody wants to avoid her. So to put this into modern perspective, modern context, she is the person at work who never gets invited to lunch. She is the person, if you're a student in school, uh, at the elementary school or middle school or high school, or maybe you're in college, she is the person that Either people try to avoid because they're just weird or they don't want to be around them, or they go out of the way to try to make fun of this person. She's the person who looks different, who talks different, who acts different. 
she's the person who everybody knows her story is her life story because of the problems and the decisions that she made. She got herself into this mess, and she now has to deal with the consequences. That's who this woman is. And maybe we can relate. Maybe we're on the other side of the coin. But this woman came to the well that day at that specific time for a reason. Because of her life and because of her story. Now the second thing I want to mention is that the most important thing that we need to know is in addition to this, she's not the only one that came to the well at that specific time for a reason. The second thing that we need to know is that Jesus came to the well at that specific time for a very specific reason. Just like the woman. Now, let me just mention this. I mentioned that Jesus and his disciples were traveling from the southern part of Israel to the northern part, from Judea to Galilee. What I didn't tell you is the route that Jesus took to get there was a route that no other Jewish person in that day would have taken. Jesus went right through Samaria. Now, just to help us understand, a Jewish person typically in this day and age would have taken this route. They would have started in Judea. They would have headed east, gone over to the Jordan River Valley, headed up the Jordan River Valley, and then headed back west into Galilee, completely avoiding, on purpose, the whole region of Samaria. Now, it has nothing to do with that part of the land or, or you know, what, what the terrain was. It has everything to do with the people that lived there. The Jewish people would have avoided the Samaritan people, and the Samaritans avoided the Jewish people. But not Jesus. Jesus takes a straight shot right through Samaria, and he stops right in the middle of the region at the village of Sychar. Why did he do that? The reason Jesus did that is because he knew he needed to meet with this woman at that time when she was going to be at the well. And Jesus engages with her in conversation. Now I want to pause for a moment and ask an important question. Do you realize that God wants to meet you? Yeah, I know that might sound kind of weird because God already knows you. He knows everything about you. But God wants to meet you. Did you realize that God knows exactly where you are in life? I don't mean necessarily physically right now, although he does. But he knows what you're going through. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you believe. He knows what, you, what has happened in your life, what's going to happen in your life, what's happening in your life, and what needs to happen in your life. Do you realize that God wants to meet you? Jesus wants to meet you. See, this is what God does. God wants to meet you in your life where you are so that he can then take you where you need to be in your life. Let me say that one more time because this is really important. God wants to meet you wherever you are in life, whether you believe in him, whether you're an atheist, an agnostic, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, whether you're kind of angry right now because of COVID or because of politics or whatever the case is, wherever you are in your life, God wants to meet you where you are so that he can then take you in your life where you need to be. This is the whole point. This is the whole reason Jesus wanted to meet the woman at the well that day because he knew where she was in her life and Jesus knew he knew what to do to take her 
into the part of life and in her life where she needed to go. So, with that being said, are you aware of Jesus and who he is in your life? Are you aware? Do you know who God is? Who he needs to be? Do you have complete awareness of God in your life? That he wants to speak to you. He wants to meet with you. He wants to impact you. He wants to influence you in everyday life. Do you know that? Are you aware of that? Well, let's go back to the story. So at this point, Jesus has asked this woman for water. All right, let's see what the response is. Verse 9. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now it's important to understand what's going on here. This woman is surprised is what it says. The, the text, the scriptures tells us she was surprised. And she asked Jesus, I don't understand. Why, why are you asking me for a drink of water? You're a Jewish man and I'm a Samaritan woman. What she's saying is, what she's surprised about is this. In this day and age, as you probably already guessed by what I talked about with the whole, you know, Jews taking the route around Samaria, Jews and Samaritans, they don't interact. They don't talk. They don't care about each other. They don't want to care about each other. And so this woman is shocked. She's surprised. She has no idea why this man named Jesus is actually looking at her, is actually talking to her, is actually engaging in conversation with her, and is asking her for a drink. See, there was this huge, significant cultural barrier that existed between a Jewish person and a Samaritan person. This massive cultural barrier. And what Jesus does, and this is really important for us to take note of, what Jesus does is he engages this barrier, this cultural taboo, personally. In a personal, one-on-one, face-to-face way. I want us to notice, because this is important, this kind of flies in the face of everything that we've probably seen over this last year and these last few years, where we think we have to take a strong, massive, loud, boisterous political stand. Or we need to take up arms and take up violence or, or weapons in order to you know, do whatever we need, accomplish whatever we need to accomplish. Or we need to shout at others through our social media posts or whatever the case is. Jesus shows us a completely different and more powerful and more meaningful way. He says, all you need to do is simply reach across that barrier, whatever that cultural or racial or, or economic or whatever barrier, whatever that barrier is, all you have to do is reach across to the next person in front of you, to the person that you already know in your life, but there's a barrier there, or the person that you don't know in your life, and you need to intentionally reach out to that person to him or to her, to engage in them, care about them, have compassion for them, get to know who they are, get to know their story. This is what Jesus is doing. He simply reached across the barrier in a very personal way to this particular person at that time. Let me give an example of this, of how we can be the change that needs to be. So my uncle's uh, mother recently, fairly recently passed away. 
And in the midst of their, you know, grieving the loss, but also celebrating her life and celebrating her moving into eternity with Jesus, in the midst of all that, this story about his mother was shared. And I didn't get to hear it firsthand, but I got to hear this through other family members. And it's just a powerful story, so I wanted to share it. And I don't have all the details. But the details go back to when she was much younger. And she got a job in Washington, D.C. And so she had to move from where she lived to Washington, D.C., to where her job was. Now, one thing we have to know is that she had always grown up in the western United States, and in one of the plain states, and so she had, you know, all the things that she knew, she had been exposed to certain things because of the culture there, but she'd also not been exposed to a lot of things because of the culture there. And so when she moved to Washington, D.C., she experienced and came face to face with some things that she honestly had just never had to even experience or deal with in her life before. One of those things was riding on public transportation, on buses. And so the first time that she was in Washington, D.C., she hopped on a bus. And what she noticed right away, and, and again, this was in the early 20th century. This is in the 1940s, somewhere along in that time. The first thing she noticed, she looked around, and she noticed that all the African Americans were riding in the back of the bus. And that she was sitting in the front of the bus with all the other Caucasians, all the other white people. And she really thought this seemed strange and something just kind of didn't sit right with her. And so she began to ask the people around her. She said, why, why is this the way? Why, is, why are they all sitting in the back and, and we're all sitting up here? Why, why is it this way? And the people answered her and said, well, this is, this is how it's always been. This is, this is how it's supposed to be. This is expected. These are, these are kind of what the laws say. And to her credit, this is what's really powerful in this moment. You know what she did? Immediately she got up and left her seat and went to the back of the bus and sat with everybody that was sitting in the back. Because she knew in her soul, in her heart, something was not right. She didn't do anything else about it other than she changed where she was sitting. She changed what she was doing. She engaged the cultural racial barrier by crossing the divide herself. This is what Jesus does for you and for me. With his life, with his actions, with his teachings, with his words. Jesus forces us to deal with this issue in our lives. In fact, it's, to be honest, maybe why Jesus is so threatening to some people. Jesus never threatens anybody, but Jesus might be threatening to a lot of people because maybe they don't believe in him, but maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's because Jesus, when we experience, when we come face to face with the presence and the knowledge and the glory and, and the amazement and the joy and the peace and the forgiveness of Jesus in our life, then we are left with no excuse but to be the change that we know needs to happen. It doesn't matter if our country hasn't figured it out. It doesn't matter if one political party or another political party is in power or not in power. It doesn't matter who was voted for or not. It doesn't matter. All of that stuff falls away to the fact of, are you making the difference? Are you causing the difference? Are you engaging with the people that you know there are barriers between you? Maybe you've put the barriers there 
Maybe our society, our culture, our nation, our politics have put the barriers there. But regardless of why the barriers are there, they're there. And the question becomes, are you willing to cross those barriers like Jesus did on a personal level to the people that you know that are separated from you because of these barriers? Are you willing, like Jesus, to engage people for the fact that they are people and that we're called to love them and that we're called to be compassionate and to care about them because God cares about them? Jesus engages with this woman across a major culture divide, does something that no other person in that region, in that time of history, would have done. And it's because he simply, very simply, cared about her, her story, and who she is. Sometimes we need to stop shouting at everyone, and we need to start loving each one, each person. Sometimes it is truly that simple. So let's go back to the story. The last part for the part today. Again, we'll get into the next part next week. But let's get back to this part of the story. So in this part of the story, the woman asked Jesus in response to him asking her for water. She says to Jesus, she says, why are you asking me for a drink? So let's go to verse 10. This is the response. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Now listen to Jesus' response. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now there's a lot in there. This is one of the reasons we have to do two parts to this this story in this series. There's a lot more to come, but there's also a lot to unpack here. But I want to just mention this one key thing. Did you notice that nothing seems to make sense to the woman at the well? Nothing seems to make sense to her. It makes no sense to her that Jesus would actually be talking to her. It makes no sense that a Jewish person would engage with her, a Samaritan person. It makes no sense that Jesus would actually talk to her, would see her for who she is, would actually engage in conversation with her. It makes no sense to her why Jesus cares for her. It makes no sense to her why Jesus would be interested in hearing her story and and engaging in conversation. It makes no sense to her why Jesus would offer living water. She has no idea. It doesn't make any sense that he says living water and that this water, she's never going to go thirsty again. That, That doesn't make any sense to her. Probably wouldn't make any sense to us either, would it? Nothing makes sense to her. Maybe most of all, it doesn't make sense why or how Jesus could actually care about her, could love her. 
And the question I have today, maybe the comment that I have today is this. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you're watching. Maybe somebody invited you to this. Maybe you jumped on here on purpose because you're part of our church. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you listen to our sermons on a regular, weekly basis. But maybe, just maybe, you're here, you're watching, you're listening, and you would say, honestly, Jesus doesn't make sense to you either. Christianity, the Bible, doesn't make sense to you either. You say, it just doesn't make sense to me. Jesus doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense that Jesus would love us unconditionally. Maybe you'd say, it doesn't make sense to me that, that Jesus would would call us away from our life of sin, the, the way that we're living life now, in order to be called into the kind of life that he calls us to live. Why do we have to leave this life in order to follow him? Maybe that doesn't make sense. Maybe you're here and, and you would say the thing that doesn't make sense to you is, is why does God say that Jesus is the only door, the only way to have a relationship with him, eternity with him? God does say that. The Bible is very clear about that. Maybe you say, that doesn't make sense to me. Why can't you get to God through other faiths, through other religions, through other means? Maybe that just doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't make sense why other, you know, other people can't get to God through somebody else, like Buddha or, or through Islam or anything else. Maybe that doesn't make sense. Maybe that doesn't sit well with you. Maybe it just doesn't make sense to you. And here, what, let me be, this might be the first time you've ever heard this, but let me just tell you, it's okay. It's okay if it doesn't make sense. It's okay. Jesus still offers you living water. Whether it makes sense or completely makes no sense. Jesus still offers you living water. Jesus still died on the cross for you. Rose from the grave for you. It doesn't change that fact. In fact, I would say this. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't have to make sense. It just has to be real. Isn't that true? It doesn't have to make sense. It just has to be real. Jesus just has to be real. God has to be real. It has to be true that he died on the cross and rose from the grave for your sins and for mine. That just has to be true. It has to be real. Let me tell you, I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I've studied the Bible as a pastor for many years. But the truth is, there's tons that I still don't know that that doesn't make sense to me. And that's okay. That doesn't change the fact that God still loves me and I can still follow Jesus. It's okay that it doesn't make sense. What Jesus calls us to is that he offers us living water. He offers us an opportunity of forgiveness of sins. So I brought this battery here with me today. As you can see, it's a double-A battery. Uh, The reason I chose it is because we have a ton of these in our house. I don't know about you, but it seems like I am changing these little things every other day for something that has, you know, run out of power, the batteries run dry or whatever. But the reason I bring this up is because I don't know about you, but I get tired of changing batteries that have run dry, that have run out of power. I get tired of it. 
I hate it when the smoke or the, you know, the, the fire alarms and detectors in our house, you know, they start beeping and chirping at me. I'm like, oh, I have to change the batteries. I get tired of replacing batteries because they're out of power. Well, what I would ask of you is this. I know for me, I get tired. I get tired of trying to replenish my own soul, replenish my own heart, replenish my own you know, uh, sleep cycle, replenish my body physically or emotionally or spiritually, or, or, or maybe I don't feel as up and as excited and as hopeful as I normally should be on today, and so I have to kind of gear myself up. I get tired of trying to replace my own batteries, so to speak. And so the question I have for you is, what if God offers a complete source of power, of purpose, of joy, of peace that could be available in your life? What if he offered living water to you that would give you the source of power, the source of where you would never thirst ever again? That he would satisfy the deepest and most important desires and longings of your heart and your soul? And that the battery would never run dry. That it would never go out. What if God provided that, offered that to you? What if it was truly available? What if he's really offering that to you? My question to you is, would you accept that? Would you lean into that? Would you believe that? Would you follow Jesus because of that? I can honestly say, that he does offer you living water. He offers you forgiveness from sins. He offers that to you. And the question is, have you accepted it? Will you accept it? That is my question and my challenge to you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for engaging with us personally. For reaching across whatever barriers we might have with you, whatever barriers we might have with somebody else or what other people have with us. Jesus, you reach out to us because you care about us. You love us. You're compassionate for us. You died on the cross for us. You rose from the grave for us. And help us to accept the offer of living water that you've offered, that you've given to us. Help us to accept And for those of us who have already accepted your forgiveness in our life, forgiveness of sins, that we've accepted that you died on the cross and rose from the grave for us, for those of us who have accepted that already, I pray that for the rest of us, we would lean in to realizing that you call us to more than just believing in you and, and, and reading about you in the Bible. You call us to live out actively, intentionally, to reach people with your love with your forgiveness and your grace. So help us to live boldly, courageously, changed, and realizing that we're chosen to be loved by you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, don't forget, next week, if you're kind of wondering why the woman was confused and and where Jesus goes with this next part of the conversation, join us next week for part two of this little mini-series that we're in. And always remember, I love you and God loves you.